Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh. Yeah. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is October 26, 2023, and the Gamecocks are heading to College Station to take on Texas A&M this weekend. As we do every Thursday, we will get into the Quick Slants article that we publish in the mornings on Thursdays on Gamecock Central. For those of you that aren't a subscriber to Gamecock Central, head on over to GC. Take advantage of the Game Week special. You can sign up today. For 50% off on the year, or you can sign up for the first month just being $1. So a lot of great stuff, not with just not just with football, but you also have basketball in there. Get some intel on what's going on in, in uh, fall baseball with USC as well, and everything else in between. But again, we will get to those quick slants notes, just a little housekeeping to get to as far as what you can expect in the program today. We're going to get into, obviously, talking about this week's matchup. Any thoughts that you guys have on the game? As always, let us know. The comment section is ready to go, so fire away. We'll also talk about what took place as far as the Xavier McLeod situation. With him no longer being a member of the Gamecocks, I'll shed some more light on that. And also a recruiting note that I want to share about four-star running back Daniel Hill. As we continue to monitor that, as we are getting closer and closer to the Mississippi native making his decision on where he'll be playing football. He has it down to three teams, South Carolina, Alabama, and Tennessee. I will give you some intel on that. I think some Gamecock fans are going to enjoy hearing that. But again, as we do every Thursday, we lead things off with quick slants. And a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about today, it, it really comes down to two things. One, it's the basics. That's why I titled it this week, Quick Slants, Back to the Basics. But number two, and it feels like we've been doing this so much this season, where it truly is a broken record. And the things that I'm saying right now, it's going to be feeling like you're, you know, deja vu. Because the first one is give Rattler time. If you thought Tennessee's front gave USC fits a couple weeks ago, Texas A&M, my goodness. They're even better, at least on paper. The Aggies come into this game with the most sacks in the country, tied with Penn State, number one in the country, averaging just over four sacks a game. And as we sit here today, as we tape this show at 2 o'clock live, I should say, not tape, but as we shoot this show, if you guys listen to it later, obviously it'll be pre-recorded. But I say that because tonight, Shane Beamer will do Carolina calls at 6 o'clock at Backstreet's Grill. And he might have some type of update on Vershawn Lee. He did last week, and he said Vershawn wouldn't play and he would likely be out two weeks. But he was also pegging Lee to be an early questionable for the following week. Well, that following week is here. 
and we don't know if Vershawn Lee is going to play or not. If Vershawn does not play, the concern as to who starts at right tackle, for me at least, is very alarming, especially knowing who you're going up against this weekend. Let's call for what it is, and as we do on this show, we don't sugarcoat stuff. We're not going to attack players, but we call it for what it is. Sidney Fugari had a rough week last week at right tackle. The offensive line as a whole did not have a phenomenal game, but some of that had to do with trying to make adjustments for that right side, not really being able to give Rattler the time that he needed to be able to make plays. And as we know, look, I know some people are going to say, okay, why are they continuing to roll out to the right? Rattler likes that. And that's not to say Rattler can't do things going to the left side, but as we've seen, Rattler really enjoys rolling out to the right. All right, he's a right-handed quarterback. He's able to see the, the field better that way instead of throwing across his body. That's what he prefers to do. So whether it be Sidney Fugar at right tackle, whether it be uh, Tyson Watermaker at right tackle, whoever. I mean, talking yesterday with Dal Loggins about the offensive line situation, one thing that I asked him as far as the development with Jatavius Shivers goes, because we heard some good things from Shane Beamer last week at Carolina Calls. And what Beamer said was Shivers has had two great weeks of practice. And that was, again, heading into this week. So we don't have an update on how practice went this week for Shivers. But he likes the way that he's coming along. Well, we're at the point of the season, and this is what I was asking Dal Loggins yesterday. You're at the point of the year now where when you when you look at how many games some of these freshmen have played, and you're trying to determine whether or not it's in the best interest of a player, and not just a player, but more importantly, the program to play someone now versus having them redshirt now and then be able to have that extra year at the end four years from now. So with Shivers, he's only appeared in one game. That was that Furman game. So with USC sitting here at two and five, you have five more regular season games to go. If Shivers were to get in this weekend, that doesn't mean they can't still redshirt him. But you're also trying to figure out, again, if he's going in there right now, what's the what's the game plan? I'm saying go in there. I'm, I'm talking about starting. So it doesn't appear that Shivers will start this weekend just based on what Dal Loggins was saying. But I'm bringing these names up to kind of give you an idea as to what South Carolina might do with that right tackle position if Vershawn Lee isn't able to go. And again, that's not to say that USC wouldn't shuffle their offensive line because we've seen that many, many times this season. Um, And a lot of it has had to do with injuries. But I I just have this feeling that that won't be the case that you're trying to find some type of continuity, you're trying to find some type of consistency on the offensive line, despite the fact that you've been plagued by injuries, despite the fact that, again, Vershawn Lee might not be able to go. And even if he is able to go, you know, how much is he going to be able to give you? I mean, Vershawn's going to give you everything he's got in the tank, but what percentage can he physically give you? Um, But again, whether it be Sidney Fugar, whether it be Tyson Wanamaker, that's what it is likely looking like at right tackle if Vershawn isn't able to go. Weigh in on that. We'll have some thoughts on the back end once we get by the quick slants 
keys to the game. Uh, so, again, give Rattler some time. Give him some time to make things happen. Uh, number two, and we said this last week, another thing that we said, deja vu, right? Creating turnovers. The Gamecocks have failed to force a takeaway in their last two games. I mean, you think back to not just last season, but you think back to the first year in the Shane Beamer era and how good, I even say good, how great this defense was when it came to forcing turnovers. Led the SEC in takeaways two years ago, last year, second in the conference. That hasn't been the case this year. Really struggling, really struggling. In fact, heading into this weekend, South Carolina, and this doesn't include teams who've played on, you know, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, but heading into this week, the Gamecocks ranked 18th, uh, excuse me, they have created the 18th fewest turnovers in FBS. 18th fewest. So I bring that up because they've only four seven turnovers. You have to find a way to make plays this weekend. But it's not only about getting the ball back for your offense when you're talking about takeaways. It benefits the defense in the in the sense that you're able to get off the field. Because as we've talked about a lot these last couple of weeks with just how thin they are at certain positions, especially on defense in the secondary and at linebacker, a lot of these players are playing – Every snap, if not almost every snap. And that was the case again last week. Jalen Kilgore, Marcella Style, and DQ Smith, they all played every snap on defense last week. 64 snaps. Now, in comparison to what we've seen over the last couple weeks, even going back to before the bye week against Tennessee, was an improvement as far as the number of snaps. Because we've been talking about, you know, Florida, Tennessee, and some of these other games that USC has played this season. Some of those snaps were in the 70s. Some of those snaps were even in the freaking 80s, for crying out loud. So I bring these things up. I bring these things up just to point out to the fact that you need to be able to get off the field. You have to find a way to get off the field this weekend. Have to find a way. And creating turnovers certainly does just that. Um, and number three, just finish. Finish, finish, finish. It's a simple word, but it's one of the biggest areas where I feel like South Carolina struggled, not just last week, especially last week, specifically last week. But this goes back to even the Florida game and a couple weeks prior to. Offensively, 12 points last week. Two of three in the red zone. You just look at that stat. It's like, all right, it's like it's pretty good. But again, 12 points. And those two scores were on field goals. They weren't able to score in the red zone other than kicking a field goal. And no disrespect to Mitch Jeter, who bounced back very nicely after missing that first kick, which you're going into the win. It was a long field goal, 50-plus yard kick. And he bounced back nicely, and he was able to adjust to the win. But offensively, they weren't able to finish drives. When I'm talking about finishing drives, I'm talking about scoring touchdowns. I'm not sitting here saying field goal, field goal. No, no, no. You need touchdowns, especially in a game like this. Defensively finishing plays. Missouri's first touchdown pass that they scored on. And this is the stuff that we've been talking about going back to last week a lot with the execution. USC was in position. I mean, there were two players there. And Missouri made the play. You have to finish your play. 
you have to knock the ball down. You have to, whether it be a situation where you have an opportunity to create a tackle for a loss or just little things like that, you have to finish. You have to execute. Again, going back to the Florida game, the blitz, DQ Smith coming off the side, and he loses contain. And because he didn't execute the way that the play was drawn up, it led to Florida being able to convert that fourth down conversion and eventually going down the field and scoring to win the game. And then special teams, again, going with the word finish, and I'm glad Lembo brought this up yesterday, they have to do a better job with winning their one-on-ones. And a lot of the things that I've noticed with special teams when you're looking at the kickoff return, because it seems like they just haven't been able to get that spark on special teams this year, the same way that they were able to last year. But when you think about field position, you think about the fact that you have two true freshman offensive linemen. You could be in a situation down another veteran offensive lineman this week, and if Vershawn Lee's not able to go, being able to get a long return this week, especially on kickoff, would be another thing that could be massive. But you have to stay in your blocks a little bit longer, and that's something that Lembo mentioned yesterday when he met with the media. So again, those are a couple of things that just stand out to me. Let me know what you guys think. As always, any thoughts on this weekend's game? We'll go to the comments. Justin says, go Cox. Len, good to have you in here. Happy Thursday, Mike. Happy Thursday to you, Len. Frederick, always good to have you in here. Says, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon to you, Frederick. And Michael says, let's just wish McLeod good luck and move on. Let's get into the Xavier McLeod stuff, shall we? Because, like Michael said, wish him luck and move on. I'll never bash a player when they leave a program. You know, I think back to a couple of years ago when the Josh Belk situation took place. And there was a lot of intel that I was given. And I remember when I reported on that, I think the way I phrased it, and again, this is a couple of years ago, but I think the way I phrased it was there was just, he, he didn't see eye to eye with how the program, he didn't see eye to eye with the coaches, the players. He just wasn't a good fit, I think is how I phrased it. And again, it's been a couple of years ago, so forgive me. Uh, from off a little bit, but you know, something in the ballpark in the realm of that. The things I was told yesterday, as far as Xavier McLeod goes, and I know we've seen his parents take to social media, um, and they've shared their thoughts, um, certainly trying to, you know, be supportive of their son. And they have that right to, and they should. Bottom line is this, and this is what I posted on Gamecock Central yesterday on the forum. Because again, I'll never badmouth a player when they leave, but just to paint a clearer picture, okay? Since South Carolina confirmed the news with Gamecock Central yesterday, you know, and just to walk through the process of it all. We're given information, whether it be myself, Wes, Chris. We're given information. We talk amongst amongst ourselves. We get confirmation, whether it be directly from a source or you get confirmation from the university. And we spoke to a spokesperson for USC. I reached out just to get confirmation. 
Um, because with stuff like this, that's typically the way that we go about handling things just to give you guys a little look behind the scenes. I mean, probably 90% of you don't care about how the, the sausage is made, but to give you an, a, a sense of how it goes down. Once we have that, again, we talk amongst ourselves, the three of us, and we kind of gather information on our own and then we come back as one to see what the other person's hearing. And again, there's sometimes depending on who the source is, you might be having, I mean, you might have a source that is as connected to it. I mean, they could be the actual person themselves sometimes, right? But, you know, we talk amongst ourselves, making sure that everything sounds right. Um, and in a situation like this, you're really wanting to make sure that, you know, again, you're not taking any unnecessary shots at a player. But this is to, to give you an idea as to how quickly things happened yesterday. After we posted the story on Gamecock Central, and I know there were other outlets across the uh, Columbia and the state that did as well, as soon as that happened, when it comes to stories, sometimes I'll reach out to a couple sources to confirm something. Yesterday, my goodness, players... Uh, uh, members of the staff, I had people reaching out to me on their own, just weighing in and sharing their thoughts on the situation. And the way that I phrased things on Gamecock Central yesterday on the forum, I said, quote, since USC confirmed the news with GC, I've had several people close with the program reach out to me on their own to share that they won't be losing sleep about this. One even said, this was one text I got, quote, we want players who want to be here. End quote. I had more text on the situation from players um, about the situation. And as his father on social media said, you know, he said, quote, we, I'm, I'm, well, I shouldn't say quote, paraphrasing here because I don't have the, I don't have Facebook up in front of us. But, um, you know, he said that he came here to, to win. Well, shoot. I mean, no disrespect to you, Mr. McLeod, but I don't think anyone came to South Carolina to lose. I mean, come on. Um, but, you know, he wanted a red shirt. It wasn't as simple as that, though. There's multiple layers to it, and I'll leave it at that, that there were issues beyond just this one incident. Um, that took place. And that, again, to just go back and point to that quote again from that one person involved with the, with the program saying, quote, we want players who want to be here. I think people can read between the lines. So having said all that, a local kid, I enjoyed covering Xavier, not just at South Carolina, but during my time at Watch Fox. Phenomenal football player at Camden, Mr. Football recipient for the state of South Carolina. Wishing him and his family nothing but the best moving forward. And we'll kind of just leave it at that as far as Xavier's concerned. Because, again, not here. Not with the program anymore. But wanted to touch on that. Robert Doug Hill. Good to have you here, Robert. Says, quote, is our – I keep saying quote now after going through those things. Robert says, is our season over? No hope. Well – as far as the schedule goes, you have five more games to go. Uh, as far as making a bowl game, those possibilities continue to evaporate for the Gamecocks. 
you look at what's next on the schedule, and I'll pull that up just to remind people what the schedule looks like over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and again, I've brought this up. I know some people aren't going to be thrilled if South Carolina goes to, say, the Birmingham Bowl or, you know, go to Shreveport. Okay. I, I get that. I understand that. Having said all that, being able to get this young team some extra practices would be massive. And you're also going to have some players who are going to enroll early. Some of those players are going to look to try to get some practices in if they go to a bowl game. I know that Dante Reno has told me that. I think he told me that actually last week, that he's hoping they make a bowl game. Well, of course he's hoping they make a bowl game, but he's one of the reasons why is because he wants to be able to get here a little bit earlier. Cam Pringle, I don't know if he would be, if he's looking to do that. I know Cam will be enrolling early. But again, it's the extra opportunities. So I get it from a fan standpoint, and I know not every fan thinks this way, but I get it from a fan standpoint where it's like, man, I don't want to go to Shreveport in December. Man, I don't want to go to Birmingham for a bowl game. I'd rather go to one of these better bowl games. I get you. I hear you. I totally understand it. But at the same time, too, just being able to make a bowl game would be massive for this program. Having said all that, having said all that, the possibilities of making a bowl game, especially where where you're at right now at two and five, it's it's not looking good. It's not looking good. So here's what you got. Here's what you got from a schedule standpoint. You also get a little sneak peek as far as the broadcast of where those games will be on. You head to College Station this weekend, and then you finish the year off with four straight home games. Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson. Uh, Jacksonville State, I believe, just want to make sure, because I was watching some of their game last night. Jacksonville State, with their win last night, they are 7-2 and two now. Jacksonville State is 7-2 and two now. So... I get that, you know, Jacksonville State, the conference that they play in in comparison to what you're going up against, right? Conference USA. That you still look at them as a team that you should be able to beat each year, right? Um, But having said all that, having said all that, this is a team, though, with the way USC is playing that, shoot, I don't think you can over overlook them by any means. I don't think South Carolina is in a position where they can overlook anyone right now. But, um, again, looking at what, what South Carolina has coming up, Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson. So, look, you're on a three-game losing streak. You lose this game, then you have to win out. You have to win out in order to make a bowl game. So to answer your question, Robert, yeah, there's there's still a possibility. Still a possibility, but you need some things to go your way 
over these next couple weeks. But being able to play at home can be huge. The question now becomes, if you lose this game to Texas A&M, now you're on a four-game losing streak. You're two and six coming back home with four games to go. And while I get it, every freaking time I feel like we talk about this stuff, you know, people talk about, oh, I was there, you know, in 2000 and, uh, you know, during the, the season where they they didn't win a game, they get all that. But that was 20-something years ago. And while this fan base is very passionate, it's also, again, two decades ago. Things are different. Things are different. And it's not just South Carolina. This is just the world we live in. I mean, TVs are better. The ability to be able to watch some of these games and be on your couch – I don't think you will have the same fan support that you'll that you'll be hoping to have if you come back home and you're two and six. And I wouldn't blame fans. I really wouldn't. I know it's gonna be a very special weekend next weekend. Heard from Marcus Lattimore yesterday. I think Marcus will actually be coming on the program next Thursday with us. He'll be back in town. But you'll be honoring those teams, that 2010 to 2013 time period where the Gamecocks outside of the Black Magic season played the best football we've ever seen here in Columbia. But having said all that, even that, even that, I don't know if that's going to bring out the 77,000 at williams Bryce Stadium if you drop to two and six. So that home field advantage to end the year, obviously against Clemson, and the way with that Clemson's playing right now, we all know what that game means to this state. I expect that one to be sold out, even if South Carolina, God forbid, they don't win another freaking game heading into that one, which I'm not saying that's going to be the case. But point being is, with playing so many home games in the year, man, you got to give your fan base a reason why to come out to support you. Because again, this isn't, this isn't the year 2000. Things have changed, and it's not just the fan base here. It's technology. There's more things for people to do now. I mean, shoot, smartphones weren't even a thing back then. Everyone everyone has more thing, more options to do now, so you got to give them a reason why to come out to the stadium. What else we got here? Das says, I feel like it's going to take us three to four years of great recruiting to be constant eight and ten win team. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the frustration when we talk about these things about patience, right? I mean, earlier in the week, we had Jacob August on, former Gamecock tight end, and we were talking a lot about the things that take place inside that locker room and just the building itself when you're going through a skid like this, right? You're, again, two and five. You're on a three-game losing streak. Unfortunately, he experienced stuff like that during his time at South Carolina. I asked that question to Trey Knox early this week. Obviously, this is Trey Knox's first year with the Gamecocks. But unfortunately for Trey, in 2019 and 2020, when he was still playing with Arkansas, his first two years with the Hogs, 2019, they only had two wins. The following year, and it was a condensed season because of COVID, they did play in the bowl game, but at that point, some teams were getting invites because they needed to fill spots. I think one of their games were was postponed or was just scratched completely because of COVID. Um, but they played 10 games that season, including the bowl game. 
And they only won three games that year, three and seven. So I bring these things up because you have players in this locker room that you need to look at right now to help you get through this. Because it's crazy to think this. If we're talking about the greatest years of South Carolina football, that 2010 period of 2013 outside of the Black Magic year, a lot of players on this team outside of, you know, the DeCarion Joiners, the Luke Doties, a lot of the players on this team, they haven't seen, as far as being part of the program, they haven't seen what it's like when things aren't going well with South Carolina. I know a lot of fans have seen it. I've been covering the Gamecocks since 2016. I've been covering the SEC since 2015. I've seen it. I've seen plenty of bad years. And I know many of you who have been Gamecock fans even well before that. For decades, you've seen plenty of bad football with South Carolina. So you understand what that looks like, but they don't, right? I mean, think about the players that are in their third year at the program. The last two years, they've won at least seven games. They've won at least seven games in each of those past two seasons. So this is new for them. How do you handle adversity right now? Because when you have such a core group, when you're talking about the freshmen that are currently there, and you know how important the 2024 class is going to be, I mean, those are the two classes that we've really talked about a lot over the last couple of years. And as Beamer mentioned, even on Tuesday, this freshman class that they currently have was a group that when he arrived in December of 2020, they spent a lot of time with that group and being able to get to know them. And it's really the first group that he's been able to build the relationships with from a recruiting standpoint to the point where it's going to be, okay, that's how we're going to do things moving forward for the class of 2024, 2025. You get in here in December of 2020, obviously you're trying to just put a recruiting class together as quickly as you can for the 2021 year, the following year, 2022, it's like, all right, you know, you're playing some catch up, but it's, it's not the exact same, right? It's not the exact same in comparison to the year before, but it's not quite there yet in comparison to what we saw the following year. And obviously the Gamecocks were able to do a phenomenal job from a recruiting standpoint, finished 16th in the country, I believe when it came to their recruiting class. So I bring these things up because I bring these things up because what the Gamecocks are trying to do right now, everything that they've talked about from a recruiting standpoint to, okay, this is where we're going and it, call all that stuff. How they finish this year is going to be massive because again, a lot of the players have not seen what adversity looks like between freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores. Okay. South Carolina has over 50. I think it's 52 to be exact. So you look at that, and again, we haven't even counted the juniors or the redshirted sophomores. The majority of this team have, has not experienced the type of adversity that they're going through right now, at least at South Carolina. So what they do the rest of the way is going to play a big role when you're talking about still with the foundation of this program. And I say foundation, it's year three. And I know a lot of people play, oh, year three, year three. Well, what the hell does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? Really? Yeah, it's year three. You want to make a comparison? I know people hate when I make comparisons to Clemson, but I will. 
especially talking about year three for Dabo Sweeney. Clemson went six and seven that year. Six and seven in year three under Dabo Sweeney. And the reason I bring up Clemson is just because from a geographical standpoint, right, just makes sense. The fact that they're also a Power 5 team, that's the reason I bring them up. And we could do this with other programs as well. But what I'm trying to get at is if you believe where the the direction of the program is heading, you know there's going to be certain bumps along the road. Um, But I still think, you know, again, I've said this before, that the not next season, the year after, though, 2025, is really the year I'm interested in seeing what South Carolina can do. Very interested. I mean, it doesn't get easier next year, right? Rattler won't be here. You have a lot of young, talented players. Are they going to be able to take that step that you need them to next year? Because, shoot, you got to go play Alabama. You got to play Oklahoma, LSU. Schedule does not get any easier. Especially, as I mentioned, with Oklahoma. But Oklahoma and Texas coming into the conference next year? Mm. Lynn says, if you divide coaches and set ultimatives to coaches, it will not go well. If that is what happened, he should be gone. Just my opinion. Talking about Xavier McLeod, which we touched on just a little while ago. Richard Morris says, rest the starters, save for Clemson. That's our poll game. I don't think that will happen, Richard. I hear you, and I'm sure that you're not the only Gamecock fan that would say that, but uh, I don't think that will be the case. Now, could we see Juice Wells getting some more rest over these next couple weeks if we do see him at some point this season make a return? Could it be the Clemson game? We will have to wait and see. About another month to go until that, though. Carolina Titan, good to have you on again. Says, this kid had a lot of red flags, talking about Xavier McLeod, in high school, yet this staff took a chance on him. Let him go, and let's fight to get Rames reinstated. Yeah, no update on Rames quite yet. And if he will be making a return to South Carolina. But, uh, I mean, look, there's going to be there's going to be situations where if there are red flags with players, right, you're trying to see the good in them. And that's not to say that this kid's a, you know, um, uh, <laughs> try to be careful with my words here. Um, we just leave it at that. You're trying to see the good with some players. And there's going to be players that you feel like the pros outweigh the the cons sometimes. And you're hoping that with certain guidance and resources and the talking about resources, some of the upperclassmen can play a role. But again, some of the stuff that I was talking about before, because I don't want to continue to hammer this today. And I don't want to badmouth a player who leaves. But again, as I mentioned before, someone close to the program, when they reached out to me yesterday saying that they weren't going to lose sleep, multiple players said that. I mean, multiple people said that. But one even said, we want players who want to be here. We want players who want to be here. And when you have upperclassmen who also feel that way, that kind of 
that kind of tells you everything. Uh, Justin Thomas says, two and five. It is what it is. I just want to see us have a strong performance on both sides of the ball. That was one thing that was really frustrating last week more than anything was the fact that when the defense – I mean, they started the game off. They got the three and out, right? And then after that, I mean, USC's defense, I mean, they struggled. They struggled mightily. Uh, you go down 24 nothing, right? But the way the defense came out in the second half, and I mentioned this too when we were talking about the um, instant analysis from the game. We talked about this on Tuesday as well on GC Live. I felt like Missouri took their foot off the gas a little bit. However, once it got down to a two-score game, it's not like Missouri was like saying, "All right, you know, let's let's start playing for real now." Like South Carolina's defense—they buckled down in the second half. They buckled down. You can give them credit where where they deserve it I and mean, they where they earn it. First half, they didn't show up. Didn't show up, but they were getting those stops. And as we mentioned before, the, one of the keys this weekend, you need to be able to finish in the red zone. USC's offense whether it be the three and outs that USC was able to force as, an, as a defense or the stops that they were getting to be able to give their offense the ball back or that one play near midfield where Missouri, they just they just botched a punt and they gave the Gamecocks the ball in plus territory. They weren't able to score touchdowns. That that's the frustrating part where they just haven't played complimentary football. Where if things are going well offensively, as we saw last week against Florida, even going back to the Mississippi State game, offense clicking. And they're not able to do things defensively to a point where you feel comfortable. I mean, you needed a late stop to be able to win that game against Mississippi State. You needed a late stop against Florida, and you weren't able to do that. But when the offense has been clicking, you haven't been able to do things from a defensive standpoint. Uh, what do we got here? Shane Beamer putting a tweet out, and I think Will McClain just put it out there, so I appreciate it, Will. Shane Beamer has tweeted a welcome home for the class of 2025. And he jokes with Jessica uh, Jackson and Taylor Edwards in the tweet saying, Hey, Jessica and Taylor, do we have a hashtag for the 2025 class yet? Asking for a friend. So there you have it. Gamecocks have landed a 2025 commit. As you guys know, I like to put a little suit picture out when we know when uh, one of those commitments are coming. So if I get any updates... I will keep you guys posted. Obviously, I'm not going to ruin a kid's announcement and let you guys know who the player is. But I will keep you updated as soon as I hear anything about that. Uh, speaking about recruiting, I know we have some other comments here. We'll take a step back real quick, though, before we continue to go down and talk about the game because Robert has a question about the defense or uh, the offensive line. We'll get into that. Steel Curtain saying, what's good, y'all? And also adds, definitely want to get Reims back. We will have to wait and see. Um, Daniel Hill, four-star running back out of Mississippi. 
He's had his list of teams down to three, and those teams include Alabama, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Uh, what I can tell you is I know that uh, 24-7, one of their lead recruiting insiders put a crystal ball prediction having Daniel go to Alabama. I don't do – I think we have we have RPM, the recruiting prediction machine. I don't have a say in that as far as, okay, this is what I'm thinking and I cast my vote or anything like that. But for what it's worth, based on the text messages I've been receiving today in the last couple of weeks, but especially today, if I did have access to casting a vote for RPM, I would have South Carolina as the favor to land Daniel Hill based on what I've been told today. Now, when Daniel Hill makes his commitment, the way that it's looking, and I think I said this last week, I don't know if I said it on this program, if I said it on GC Live Talking Tuesday nights, that it looks like it will happen in the next month, that it will take place in November. But again, as we've said this many, many times, and for many of you who have been following recruiting, for even longer than I've been working in Columbia, South Carolina. You guys get it when you're dealing with 18, 19-year-old kids, sometimes 17 as well, that don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath as far as when a date will be set, especially when they don't publicly say it. But again, to relay what we've been told, that is kind of what we're looking at right now, that Daniel Hill will make his decision in the next couple of weeks at some point in November. But again, nothing is in stone quite yet. He hasn't announced that publicly yet. But again, too, if I had the ability to cast a vote or whatever, throw my prediction into the recruiting prediction machine based off of what I've been told today, that Daniel Hill will likely be a Gamecock. But that doesn't mean anything is in stone, okay? Um, obviously I, I will say this, it's really a two team race. It's Alabama and South Carolina. And that's not going to be any earth shattering news. Not like I'm breaking Watergate here or anything like that, but, um, it really is a two team race. And again, based off of the things that I was told today, um, he really, he really likes what's happening at South Carolina. Alabama is going very hard at him right now, though trying to land him. Um, They don't, I don't want to say they don't view him the same way, but let's call it for what it is. They don't view him the same way as a need, like South Carolina views Daniel Hill. I mean, we've seen what's took place in this running back room this year. Mario Anderson has done a very good job with continuing to develop. And I'll throw this out there again. Because for whatever reason, it goes in one ear and out the other. When I see tweets and posts every week, it feels like, on the message boards on Gamecock Central. Mario Anderson has an extra year of eligibility because he redshirted his freshman year at Newberry. And then the following year, you had the redshirt season. Or the COVID season, excuse me. So he has another year of eligibility if he wants to exercise that. But you look at that, you look at uh, Dontavius Braswell, who's a freshman that Looks like he's going to redshirt this year. Matthew Fuller, who plays for Connor Shaw's brother in Georgia. A four-star rated by on three. 
he's going to be here next year, and you could potentially have Daniel Hill. So we'll wait and see what happens with the Daniel Hill sweepstake. But to throw that out there as far as recruiting is concerned. What else we got here? Robert says, can our problems be fixed? Offensive line, defense, injuries, I'm sure can't. Offensive line, again, if Vershawling's not able to go this weekend, it's certainly going to put a lot of strain on whoever plays that right tackle position, whether it be Sidney Fugar, whether it be Tyson Wanamaker. Do we see Jatavia Shivers get an opportunity to play this weekend? He made the travel squad last week. I would expect, especially if Vershawn Lee doesn't travel, I would expect Jatavius to be on the travel list again this week. And Shivers has only played in one game so far. So you can still play him in three games while also making sure that you protect his year of eligibility. Because, again, as we've talked about with some of these other players like Lenore Sellers earlier in the year, Lenore's has only played in one game. And I know that there were some people out there saying, oh, man, it'd be great to be able to put him in some packages. And why? Why? And it's not even the fact now that they're two and five, but I said this at the beginning of the year. Why? To go out there and do a couple QB sneaks? He's not Tim Tebow. This team isn't that Florida team that won the national championship by any means that year. But I, I always just hated that idea for two reasons. One, that happens, what, three, four times a game, short-yarded situations? I mean, go look at the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles, the brotherly shove. I mean, even that, which feels like it happens a lot, it really doesn't happen that much in a game. So let's just say, okay, let's say Lenoris is getting like six snaps there. Okay, you want to put a package in for me? You want to be on the field more? Well, what does that mean? You're taking off the best player on your team and Spencer Rattler. The reason why your team's probably – not one in six because he's been able to do some things for you that, and not just one in six, but he's also been able to put you in situations to make these games a little bit closer than they probably should have been. I.e. North Carolina getting sacked nine times. So I'm not a huge fan of just taking someone off the field, especially a Spencer Rattler to put in, Lenoris or anyone for just a package just for the sake of it. So that's where I'm going with, with all that. As far as the defense is concerned, look, in Justin brings up Jalen Kilgore, and I think this is a perfect segue talking about the defense. Jalen's been getting some work at nickel. I know that there's been some people trying to figure out, okay, what can the defense do? You know, schematically, can they change and go to a 4-3? First off, and we've said this so many freaking times, they don't have the personnel to do that. They just don't. Never mind the fact that you're in the middle of a season. Okay, you just had your bye week a couple weeks ago. You are no, you don't have the time to reinvent the wheel by going from a 4-2-5 to a 4-3 or whatever defense you want to call out there. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Now, multiple colleges, and I can tell tell you that we even did this at the Division II level. Yeah, we had packages where we put, you know, uh, 4-3. We, we were a 4-2-5 defense because a lot of colleges, with, from an offensive standpoint, it's just – it makes sense to have that. They're not – a lot of a lot of colleges, and there's always going to be outliers, but a lot of schools 
from an offensive standpoint, they don't run formations that have two tight end sets anymore or as many. And you're trying to match up personnel to personnel. It's not like you're playing Madden and you're just, okay, hey, 4-3 defense. Doesn't work that way. But again, when you don't have the bodies, especially, that causes some issues. I also saw some people suggest that they should move Nick Eamon Worry to linebacker. Well, again, okay, I'll entertain that. Again, though, if a team comes out with four wide receivers or you know they have their tight end split, it's going to be the same deal where you're going to need someone to go out and Nick would be that guy. So if you want to call him a linebacker, okay, I'll I'll entertain that. But at that point, he's still playing the nickel spot. Now, you see what I'm trying to get at? It's like we could sit here and say that you're reinventing the wheel by putting Nick at linebacker. But if the personnel requires another body to be out there covering the slot, covering the tight end, then that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. Um, I, I still think, though, more than anything, as Jalen Kilgore likely will play nickel again this weekend, because that's what it sounds like, that with the injuries that have piled up at multiple spots, including linebacker this year, that this is a USC team that heading into next year, they desperately, desperately need to develop that linebacker room. They got some young, talented guys. Stone Blanton will be a junior after this year. Pop Howard will be a sophomore. But you need to continue to develop some of that talent and when you bring the, the talent in here as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think more than anything, like we were talking about before, it's being able to execute some of those plays. Because whether they're playing a 4-2-5 defense or, you know, if we want to make people happy, we'll say 4-3, which, again, you don't have the personnel to do that. And even if you want to say, okay, put Nick Eamon Worry at linebacker, it really doesn't matter because from a personnel standpoint, he's going to have to go out and cover someone, even if he's playing linebacker. Are you going to put Stone Bland out there? Are you going to put Debo Williams out there? I mean, come on. So I think more than anything, regardless of what they're doing schematically on defense, it's a personnel issue. And number two, it's – and I think this is the bigger problem, just not executing the way that they need to. They need to execute. They need to finish. They have the talent. They're just not getting the job done. And I say they have the talent because there's been things where, you know, we'll pick on DQ Smith and, and Nicky Minwari a little bit. Yeah, they've, you know, they've had some tough plays this season. They've been in a situation where things haven't gone their way, but they're not bad football players. And the reason why I say that is because we've seen it. We saw it last year. There's a reason why both of them were named freshman All-American. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of changes since last year, right? Some of that has to do with the guys who are playing in the secondary. And that's not to point fingers at Marcella style OD Fortune. But, I mean, those are big shoes to fill. Darius Rush and Cam Smith. And I know Cam hopped around, played some nickel as well. So, look, it's just... It hasn't gone their way this year defensively. And again, at this point, you're not going to change 
your scheme defensively because you just don't have the time to be able to do that. But number two, you don't have the personnel. You don't have the personnel. Uh, the Steel Curtain says, what's good, y'all? We talked about the welcome home tweet from Shane Beamer a little while ago. Carolina Titan says, one positive on defense, I think that Kilgore will be a stud on this defense in the future. Kid has the right mindset. And I feel bad for Nick Eamon Worry, and I give a lot of credit to Jalen Kilgore. Both guys, not only can they play at this level, but as Clayton White has pointed out before about Kilgore, and he's also mentioned this about Pup, you can't teach that size. Like, these guys arrive here, and it's not just, okay, can you know all these things? This and that. No, it's do you also have the size to play right away? They have the bodies to be able to play at this level, which is rare. It's rare that you have someone come right out of high school and you come to the SEC and you're able to play defense just because you have the size to be able to do it. Again, there's always going to be outliers. But that's the thing that stands out to me the most. So the reason why I said I feel bad a little bit for Nick is because it's not just the fact that they play the same positions and all that, but they're trying to find ways to get both those players onto the field because it's clear, number one, again, they have the size to be able to play. And they want to be able to use Jalen. And there's a reason why he's playing every snap, if not nearly every snap in the secondary, especially over these last couple of weeks. But he he is someone that can really make an impact, like you said, Carolina Tell you, not just this year, but in the future. So that's what I think has been the thought process from Clayton is we have two studs right here that play the same position. We're hurting at a certain position. That certain position is nickel. What can we do? And obviously, it's not as easy as being able just to slide someone in there and they get things done. Nick struggled with that against Florida. But also, it's probably he's probably out of position right by playing nickel. And I think we know that. But I give Nick credit for trying to do something where he can help the team. Just didn't work. Kilgore goes down. Kilgore did some good things last week at nickel. But it's not just the fact that he's learning a position that he's never played before. It's the fact that he's a freshman as well. So there's multiple things where I give both those guys credit this year because the defense, um, they're struggling a lot. They're struggling badly. You have some talented guys out there, but you have some holes that you're trying to fill. And you're trying to fill it by using some of the talent that you do have. And unfortunately for USC, it hasn't been as easy as, all right, just plug this guy in here because he's good at this position. It doesn't work that way. And I think, unfortunately, South Carolina has had to learn that the hard way. So we'll see if Kilgore is able to make an impact this week at nickel if, in fact, that's what USC decides to do once again. Pimp on a blimp, 89. Love saying that name every time you hop on. Said, heard that some more heads will be calling defense this week. True or no? If that is the case, that would be news to me. I'm not going to say that uh, things can't change ever because, I mean, shoot, 
They need to change something up. Need to change something up. They tried to simplify things a little bit last week. And uh, unfortunately, it took until the second half to see South Carolina start to play a little bit more free other than that three and out to start the game against Missouri. Justin said this a little bit earlier, but to show it again, Kilgore is a stud. Carolina Titans said, Pup has the size to be an impact player, but you can definitely tell he's thinking rather than playing because it shows in his game speed. That's the toughest challenge when you make the jump. And I don't care if you're playing in the SEC, if you're playing FCS, Division II, Division Three. When you make the jump from high school to college, and I'm sure people that have played in the pros, that they would say the same thing. I think Marcus actually talked about it, Lattimore, and talking to other players in the NFL, they've mentioned this before. When they talk about game speed, talk about game speed, it's not necessarily just, okay, man, this dude's really quick at wide receiver. Or, man, this quarterback throws the ball extremely fast. It's the fact that you're learning so much and there's more to process. And naturally, when you're thinking, you're not going to react the same way. Right? You can't just go out there and play freely. And that's why for a lot of freshmen, and that's why, again, we're talking about how Kilgore is a stud, you have to have multiple, multiple tools in your toolbox in order to be a very good football player in the SEC. But one of those tools that you need is the ability just to go out there and just play. And that takes some time. Some guys are able to come right in. Just think the best way to describe it is in high school, college, we all know that one person, there could be multiple people, and you could be one of those people, so I'm jealous. But we all know that one person that really didn't have to study as much, or they would just have to skim through it, and then they would go out there and they'd ace the test. And then there'd be some of them, some other people like myself and other people out there, where you would have to study for hours and hours and hours. And it's frustrating because – Maybe you go out there, maybe you have a good performance on that test, or maybe you just absolutely bombed it. Meanwhile, you have someone else, and they're able just to look at things just once, and they're able to pick things up quickly, and they're acing it. So I bring that up because I think with Pup, it's normal for a freshman. It's normal for even some of these sophomores to still be processing this information because depending on where they came from from a high school standpoint, even if they played at a powerhouse in high school, there's so much more that you're dealing with on this level. We've talked about before with Nicholas Harbor making the jump from tight end slash defensive end in high school to now playing wide receiver in college. And Shane Beamer's talked about that, where it's not just about running your route. It's knowing what everyone else is doing on top of the pre-snap adjustments you make, the motions, all that kind of stuff. So, there's a lot that not just Pup, but a lot of these freshmen are learning. And that's why when you mention that Carolina Titan, it's not unusual. It's not unusual. And because of how thin they are at the linebacking core, and you look at last week, yeah, Stone Blanton went out there, but he was still banged up. And they're going to continue to ask more and more of Pup. Him playing slow, or if you feel like he's playing a little bit slow, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that, yeah, he's he's thinking. He's a freshman. It's going to come with time. And there's nothing better in, than once that light bulb just goes off in your head and you're like, now I figure that out, right? If they trade, and trade is what we would call when when they would just you know move one of the tight ends to the other side, 
pre-snap um, trading and motions and just everything that takes place pre-snap. The reason why you create those motions or why you trade a tight end from one side to the other. A lot of the times the reason you're doing that outside of trying to figure out from a look, right? Are they in man? Are they in zone? You're also trying to confuse the defense. You're trying to outflank them. You're trying to have them in a situation where they have to make some adjustments defensively when someone makes a trade and maybe they don't make the right call, or maybe they do make the right call, but you have someone younger out there or kind of a veteran guy out there and they kind of just freeze in the moment. So there's a lot of stuff that happens pre-snap, too, when we're talking about some of these players playing fast, where they're thinking, shoot, is this what I'm supposed to do, right? It's kind of like, again, talking about studying. You go out there, do you know what to do in the moment when a certain thing comes your way, right? Two plus two, all right, that's four. When I'm out there in the moment, though, and I see two plus two and things are happening fast, am I still going to be able to answer that the same way? A lot of that again, comes with time, comes with repetition, not just on the practice field and obviously in in games, but goes back to in practice and watching film and in the classroom, all that kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff. K-Show Time says, I don't think nobody expected two and five. It's just growing pains that has to happen. A lot of freshmen are getting a taste early because of depth. It's good it's happening now rather than later in the Beamer era. And as we mentioned before, too, freshmen combined with true freshmen, combined with true sophomores. I say true sophomores just to make sure we know we're not talking about redshirt sophomores. The people that have been here over the last two years, and then even the people that are juniors now, they've never seen what they're seeing here at South Carolina. They've never been a part of it, but you have 52. 52, either freshmen, true freshmen, or sophomores on this team. 52. So the majority of this team, they're going through something that they're not used to as far as being at South Carolina and not seeing them have success. So it's different. It's different. Let's see. Real quick. Combined with an inept staff. Yeah, the same inept staff that uh, beat Tennessee and Clemson last year that everyone was pounding their – I mean, come on. Come on, you ham bone. Tyler Gay says, Mike, how much do you think it would affect this 2024 class if somehow we finish 2-10 and 10 or 3-9? and nine? We've Got to have this class and a couple more of these pieces. They still have a shot at Go Cox. Uh, from the conversations I've had with people, part of the 2024 class, and uh, the conversations I've had with people close to the program who continue to have talks with the 2024, and not just 2024, but 2025 class, um, everything remains positive. Now, I think we'd all be naive if we said, okay, there's not a possibility that it can create some negative recruiting out there. Because a team, whether it be in conference or a team that South Carolina is going up against from a recruiting standpoint, maybe they look at things and they're like, hey, you see what's going on at South Carolina? I mean, dirty recruiting's always existed, right? So I think we'd be naive not to believe that that will happen. It's a easy target. It's a layup more than anything um, to be able to use that against South Carolina. But I think for the most part, what we're going to continue to see, if anything, is South Carolina continuing to remind the 2024 class 
that, hey, look, yeah, we have some holes. I mean, it's evident, whether it be depth reasons or potentially spots where guys could come right in right away and start or at least be on the two deep. They're looking at it as an opportunity to be able to come in here and play right away. Now, as we all know, that won't be the case for every player. Uh, some of those players, I think, and it's not just it's not just limited to South Carolina's recruiting class for 2024, and it's very premature for me to say that some of them don't understand that they're going to come here and they're probably not going to play either at all for their freshman year or they're not going to play that much. But that's something that isn't just happening at South Carolina. That's happening everywhere in college sports where players come in right away. And again, we're talking about with Pup Howard, it's not just limited to Pup. And Pup's been able to find a way to get onto the field, which shows us that he's continuing to make progress. And, you know, he's a player that obviously, as we mentioned, has the size, but he's continuing to learn what college football is all about. But some of these freshmen, and it's not just, okay, they're not processing plays the way that they need to. They're not processing and seeing the field the way they need to, which is limiting them for being able to get in for X amount of plays, or they've only been playing uh, one game, or they've only played in two games. It's not as simple as just that, but that plays a role in it too as to why someone else isn't out there when they're a freshman. Some of it has to do with the fact that you might just have a dude in front of you that's just the stud, or he is the best option for the team to be playing more. And obviously when you're two and five, it's really easy to go across the board and say, all right, well, this guy should be playing more. That guy should be playing more. It's not as simple as that. You look at the offensive line situation. I talked with Dal Loggins about this yesterday during his media availability. Obviously USC has had some issues with certain spots on their offensive line. They've readjusted it numerous times this season, especially because of all the injuries they've gone through. But if Vershawn Lee isn't able to go, it's not as simple as, all right, we just plug this one person here because, man, he's a really good offensive lineman at right guard or whatever, and put him at right tackle. That'll solve everything. Or, hey, you know what? He's a good right tackle. Or, he's a good right guard. We'll put him at right guard. We'll move the right guard out to right tackle. It doesn't work that way. You're trying to figure out the best combination. And I think with all the injuries that South Carolina has sustained this year, that's been a big issue for them. That's been a big issue. So I bring these things up because I still think based on the things that I've I've heard directly from recruits over the last couple of weeks, um, shoot, even the last couple of days, that they're looking at it more as a challenge that they want to be able to come in and be able to be the difference, be the difference. WJM41 says we have too many projects on defense and the results show it. I don't know if I would call it projects. I just think that, again, injuries combined with youth combined with just lack of proven depth, it's a recipe for what you're seeing. And when you're not executing the way that you need to, you're getting what you're seeing at South Carolina right now from a defensive standpoint. I think that's what it is more than anything. Tyler Gay, again, says with the, this mess, with X getting, oh, okay. And these are your words, Tyler. With this X, with X getting kicked off the team, we are going to have to hit the portal hard for interior defensive linemen. 
we don't really have any in this class. So what, maybe one or two. And again, that is your word saying with him getting kicked off the team. Um, they're going to have to go after the, they're going to have to go into the portal hard for multiple spots. And I think the frustrating part about the portal is it's not just as simple as, okay, where's our needs, right? Where's our needs. This is how we address it. Because I think, and I'm not saying that you think this way, Tyler, I think some people view it as NFL free agency. It's not that far off when you want to make that comparison, but it's not as simple as NFL free agency. So the reason I bring that up is because, you're also trying to make sure from a retention standpoint, I think that's the most important part. You're also trying to make sure that you're not losing players to the portal because the difference with college in comparison to the NFL, when we talk about the portal in comparison to free agency, these players, unless they've already transferred from one school to another and they're not grad students, they can enter the portal at any given time. They can enter it at any given time. Now, obviously, I know we want to be a wise guy. There's people out there who can say, well, there's windows. As to, I get that. But the premise is they can leave. They don't have a contract in comparison to if you're in the NFL and, hey, you know what? They just brought someone else in. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And as Beamer's mentioned before, he one of the core values of the team is competition. And they're going to try to bring in the best players. So you're trying to figure out what's the best fit to for a team. And I think that's the part that upsets some people. And I don't think, you know, Beamer, based on the players that they've brought in, they've brought any, you know, scumbags in. But that's the other challenging part, too. And as we've talked about before with Xavier McLeod, based on the things that I shared here from some of the people close with the program that reached out to me on their own. Again, I didn't even reach out to on their own as far as what took place yesterday, saying that they're not going to lose sleep about this. Um, and that a lot of the upperclassmen were looking at it as, shoot, we're actually okay with this. This is probably one of the better things that's happened for us this year. I mean, that tells you everything. That tells you everything. Uh, but they certainly, certainly will have to go into the portal and they'll, they'll have to find some things. Um They were able, they were able to land some nice pieces from this past uh, portal cycle, if you want to call it that. The problem is, though, when you knew going into the year that there were certain positions that were going to be tough to fill, right? Or you knew that there were certain positions that you were going to be weak at. I, I just think the bottom line is, I don't think South Carolina truly believed some of the blind spots they had were as major concerns as what we've seen. Now, offensive line, for example, you can't predict two offensive linemen going down in a span of the spring game and then your right tackle going down a series of two in to the first game of the season against North Carolina. Add in the fact that you've been dealing with injuries across the board on offensive line. Again, that's not an excuse, but that plays a part of it. Because even if South Carolina brought an offensive lineman in after the spring game, it's really slim pickings in comparison to what it would have been at the end of the season, at the end of 2022. So 
there's certain things with the offensive line. I think Nick Arjulo has been a, a great addition. I think, unfortunately, when you look at the unit as a whole, it's really difficult to just look at one person or two people and say, man, they're doing a really good job on the offensive line. Because, again, at a position like that, you're really judging the entire unit. Now, certainly, if there's a player or two, and it's easy sometimes, whether it be the left tackle, whether it be the right tackle, and that's just not limited to those two positions that are really struggling, yeah, they'll, they'll stick out like a sore thumb. But you look at that, you look at what they've been able to do with Mario Anderson. Mario, again, has an extra year of eligibility left. He can come back next season. They've done a good job with certain positions. But I, I hear you. I hear you, uh, WJM41. I wouldn't call it a complete whiff. I do feel like when you look at the running back situation, and while Mario's been doing a good job, it shouldn't have got to this point. It shouldn't have got to this point. You should have had some more experience in the running back room. But as we've talked about before, who you have on your roster, at least right now, is who you got. It's who you got. Can't go and sign anyone right now. Uh, let's see. John Anthony Hurley says, attacking the portal hard should be at the top of the offseason priority list. Need to bring it more, uh, need to bring more experience to complement these young guys next year to have success. Tower Gay again says, what's your opinion on them bringing Nick E up to the linebacker level and putting Pup at DN or Buck to help give us a little bit more athleticism near the line? Um, I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Tyler, as far as Nick is concerned, whether Nick moves up to linebacker, and I'm not saying you specifically are saying, okay, they should play a 4-3, because I've mentioned before they just don't have the personnel to do this. If you move Nick up to linebacker, it really won't make the difference I think a lot of people think it will. What it will do really more than anything is it's kind of like just slapping um, – I don't know. It's like just slapping on a, a brand onto another company's brand and calling it something else. When in reality, it's the same thing. Because depending on the personnel that the offense comes out in, who's going to be the first person of that linebacker group, right? Let's say you have three linebackers out there. Let's say you have Pup. Let's say you have Stone Blanton. Let's say you have Debo out there, right? Let's say you're playing a 4-3. They slide out there. What's going to happen? Well, who's going to be the one that slides out there to be in coverage? It's going to be Nick. So it's not always going to be as simple as saying, okay, let's play a 4-3 defense and, you know, have Nick even worry play linebacker and, you know, everything's going to be solved. I, I think, I think again, they don't have the personnel to do that, number one. But number two, and Clayton talked about this the other day, Based on what you've you've seen in college football, and I know not every team runs the four two five, but it's become such a vital defense to run because of the personnel matchups it creates, because of a lot of the offenses are running, not just in college football, but in professional football too now, that you have to have a way to be able to get five defensive backs out there. Now, having said all that, they don't have that nickel that they've been fortunate enough to have the last couple of years that they have felt comfortable with. Cam Smith was that guy last year for him. The year before that, Carlin's Patel did a phenomenal job coming in and learning the position. And I think they've been, they've been really fortunate 
that a guy like Cam Smith was able to pick up that position while also being someone that they could count on on the outside. But on top of that, that you were able to bring a guy like Carlin Spatel in from a Division II school, and he was able to pick up on a position that he had never played before, was never asked to do that assumption. David Spalding was playing nickel to start the year, and then Patel did such a good such such a good job that they decided to put him in there instead. So I think just the lack of trust at that position plays a role. I think also too the fact that they're not creating the amount of tackles for a loss in the sacks that you're also trying to find a way to put a bigger body up there. But the other thing too is you have two really good guys that have been playing good, which is Spalding, excuse me. Um, even worry as well as Kilgore, and you're trying to find a way where you can get them both onto the field. It's just not as simple as plugging that guy in there and all the problems are solved. So I'm I'm interested to see what Kilgore can do this weekend because last week was really his first opportunity to play nickel for practically the entire game. And I, I expect with just the way he plays, with his just natural abilities that that's a position that he'll continue to get better at. Let's see. We'll wrap this up in a little bit. Off topic, not sure if anyone else is going tonight. I'm heading up to Charlotte in a little bit. Dave Chappelle's in town. Big Chappelle guy. Throwback to those uh, days of Chappelle's show, and I've enjoyed his stand-up. So heading up there. I don't know if anyone's making their way up to Charlotte, but if you are, safe travels. Tyler Gay says, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but have they talked about moving Bakari to wide receiver? Not that I've I've heard. And I think, too, when you hear about a guy like Bakari, it's that development process. It's it's the process of it all, right? Um, now, obviously, we've seen whether it be a Luke Doty, and it's so much, it's so easy to talk about the quarterbacks, right? The guys that have moved around a little bit be Doty, whether it be to carry on Joyner. And it's not saying it's just limited to that position, but you get into a situation where it's like, all right, you're trying to figure out what's in the best interest of the team, but is it just a quick fix for right now? And does that outweigh the long-term benefits if a player decides to stick at one position, right? So I say that because you certainly don't want to get into a game where you're moving guys around. It's just like, all right, and I'll use the example that you brought. Okay, Bakari goes to wide receiver. It's like, all right, after this season, what do you want? Do you want Fakari to stay on that side? Or do you want him to continue to develop at a position where he's still learning? He's had an opportunity through, what, seven weeks on top of fall football back in August to be able to get better at that position, and he's continuing to learn it. So that's what I always look at when you talk about some of these things. You also mentioned about Pup a little bit earlier at DN. I think you stick with what you got. Um, and a lot of those conversations can happen more, more in the off season because you have a better idea from a personnel standpoint of who you have coming back. You might look at the transfer portal. You might be like, man, we, we can bring this guy in here. And that could actually lead to a guy like, I'm not saying this will happen with pup, a guy like pup moving down and playing buck or whatever the case may be. So I think if those things happen, you usually see it more in the bowl game where you can kind of experiment, especially if you're not playing in a bowl game where it's like, all right, you know, if we win this game, great. Not saying that these coaches are going out there not thinking about the idea of winning a bowl game. Of course they want to win. 
but they can kind of experiment a little bit more in those games while you look ahead to next year. Still, Curtin says they don't, and they uh, no doubt need to attack the portal hard this offseason. No hitting the portal hard, or not hitting the portal hard, definitely is hurting us. I want to bring up one more thing, too, as we wrap things up here on the GC Live afternoon drive. And we actually have a name for the 2025 commitment. The 2025 commitment that Shane Beamer announced with, shoot, I'd say maybe 40 minutes ago, maybe 30 minutes ago, um, has gone public with his commitment. So we know who it is because, as you guys all know, we will never steal the shine from a player until they share publicly that they are committing. South Florence, 2025 three-star wide receiver Jaden Sellers, younger brother of Lenora Sellers, has committed to South Carolina. So it's a Sellers block party. Got the family in town now. So congratulations to Jaden. Congratulations to the Sellers family. Lenoris to Jaden Sellers for six. Has a nice ring to it. Has a nice ring to it. I know many, many. Bruins out there in South Florence would love to hear that, but I know a lot of Gamecocks here in Columbia, South Carolina would love to hear that. Speaking of wide receiver, though, before we wrap things up, depending on what you're able to get from um, Xavier Leggett this weekend, because we don't know, number one, if he's going to play, but even if he does play, talk about how much is he going to be able to give you. He's going to give you everything he's got, but from a percentage standpoint, is it closer to 50%? Is it closer to 60%? Regardless regardless, if Xavier is able to go or not, you need wide receivers to create separation this week, and then you'll do a much better job of that. That was one thing I noticed. I mean, I'm sitting up in the press box at Missouri last weekend, and especially after Xavier will get one down, USC really struggled to create separations with the wide receivers, really uh, failed to create separation. And as much as we blame the offensive line. And I give a lot of credit to Spencer Rattler for taking some blame himself. But a lot of it has to do too with wide receivers not creating separation. And when I think about that, heading into a game like this, where we don't know, again, what Xavier will get status is, and we don't know what, at least as we do this show, until Shane Beamer speaks in about two and a half hours that Carolina calls. We don't know what the status of Vershawn Lee is at right tackle, and you're going up against the number one rated team in the country when it comes to creating sacks, averaging more than four a game. That worries me. That really worries me if you can't create separation this weekend because if you're able, kind of like we talk about with the defensive line, if the defensive line for the Gamecocks, if they're not able to create pressure at some point, your defensive backs are only going to be able to do so much. And there's going to be a breakdown of the coverage, right? And that's why we've seen as many breakdowns in the secondary, I feel like, this year. Because they're not creating not just sacks, but just TFLs in general. But when you go back to the other side, it's very similar. If you're not able, if you're not able... To create separation, your offensive line is only going to be able to do so much for you because they're only going to be able to block the rush for so long. 
So you have to do a much better job of creating separation. And if it's not Xavier Leggett this weekend, if he's not out there or he's not able to play nearly the amount of plays that he's used to playing, other guys have to step up. Omega Blake played the most snaps at wide receiver last week for South Carolina. I think he played 58. Nick Harbour played 57. And Joey actually mentions Harbour, saying hopefully Harbour has got big confidence and he gets 10 targets. I'd love to see him get get more targets this weekend. Joey adds, quick pass has to be on point. They have to do everything they can to be able to find ways to create separation. And those younger players that I just mentioned, Omega Blake, Nick Harbour, um, Tyson Russell, these guys have to do what they can to be able to create that separation. Because if they don't, if they don't, it's going to be a long day for Rattler. It'll be a long day because that offensive line already with a tough task being asked to slow down, that front that the Aggies have, you can't create separation. My goodness, my goodness. So hopefully that won't be the case, but certainly something to keep an eye on. You don't get to see that as much, unfortunately, from a TV standpoint, unless they show you the the eye in the sky, that eagle view, as I like to call, and you're able to see everything from up top. Tyler goes, do you think Spencer should run more? I think the challenging part with this is, especially knowing that he enjoys going to that right side, that right tackle side when he likes to roll out, um, that would scare me this weekend. That's not to say that you know he shouldn't take off more. Um, I feel like he's done a good job of that. But I think, too, he tries to stay in and give his wide receivers an opportunity to make plays. I think he has confidence in the offensive line. It's just it hasn't been consistent week in and week out. You look back to that Mississippi State game, Spencer did some things where he stayed in the pocket a little bit longer or he stepped up, and he probably could have had an opportunity to run. Um, But because he stayed there a little bit longer, it created some of those – passing lanes and USC has been doing, especially this year after what we saw the last two years during the Marcus Satterfield era, they're doing a lot of crossing routes. They're using that speed. Xavier Leggett is a perfect example. Perfect example is that Mississippi state game of using those crossing routes. And Spencer understands that if he stays in the pocket, just a little bit longer steps up, wherever the case may be, his guy's going to be there because they have that speed. And unfortunately, like we said, we don't know if Xavier is going to be 100% this week and we don't know if he's going to play. But I think, and I, I agree with what Joey's saying. Uh, well, I didn't see the second part of that, Joey. Spencer's already running, running for his life at that. Yeah, he certainly has been running for his life. But um, I think the way he is playing the position right now, I don't think he needs to necessarily run more. But um, he might be doing a lot more running this weekend if those two things that we just talked about happen, not creating separation and right tackle play. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Before we wrap things up, just a reminder, if you want to listen to this show in its entirety, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can find that. And if you're not a subscriber to the Gamecock Central YouTube page, sign up today. It's free. Just hit the little bell notification too. So anytime one of these GC Live shows pop on or any of our GC videos drop you'll be able 
to see it. Uh, today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. I know it's not tax season quite yet, but it's never too early to start getting everything in place to make that process easier come springtime. So you can just watch some Gamecock baseball and you can also watch some Gamecock basketball, hopefully some deep runs this year from the basketball teams. Uh, give them a call so you can overcome that tax anxiety at 803-462-5576. And today's program, as it always is, is brought to you by a good friend, Clint Hammond, who's been a long time a supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but these GC Live shows, which he sponsors every single one of them. When you're going through the process of buying a home, do exactly what our very own Wes Mitchell did, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and Captain Perry Orth did, and that's giving Clint and his people a call to be able to make that process easier. If you've been in the process of trying to purchase a home over the last couple of months, even going back to last year, you know that these rates are absolutely insane. Clint and his team can help you make that process easier, and he can also help you find the best rate in um, on the market right now. So good, Clint, a call. 803-771-6933. What else we got here? We'll wrap things up. Got some extra questions. I got to get ready. Again, Chappelle, live tonight. In Charlotte, looking forward to that. Lynn says, Harbor did run a wrong route last week. Ball went one way, and he had gone the other way. I don't remember the specific play you're talking about, Lynn, so I'll give you the benefit of the, of the doubt. I'm not saying you'd make that up. Um, happens sometimes, right? I mean, it happens to the upperclassmen too, but th- those are the growing pains. Talk about it with the offensive linemen, whether it be Aluatosin Bubalade or Trevon Baugh. There's going to be growing pains when you have so many not just freshmen, but young players out there. And I know there's been a a cry for having more freshmen go out there and play, especially early on in the year. And as USC season continues to head in this direction, I'm sure we'll continue to hear more of it. But um, especially if they do not become bowl eligible, if they lose, I'm not saying they're going to you know lose this week and lose to Jacksonville State, but you know, hypothetically speaking here, which I hate doing the popsicle headache scenarios here, but if they lose two more games, then your bowl possibilities go out the window. And at that point, I could see USC starting to play some more. The only thing I would see differently would be that Clemson game. Even if South Carolina is not bowl eligible, they're going to do everything they can to win that game. And if that is their bowl game, if we get to that point and they have seven losses going into that game, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the Tigers. But one step at a time, and hopefully that won't be the case. Uh, and they'll be able to find a way to squeak in to a bowl game. But certainly they have their work cut out over these next five weeks. Joey says, thanks for all the info you put into it. Mike, top tier. Appreciate it, Joey. And appreciate everyone out there to take the time to listen to not just our show, but the other GC Live shows. You can catch Wes and Chris tomorrow at 2 o'clock as they'll have their final thoughts before South Carolina takes on Texas A&M on Saturday. Be sure to tune in to the GC Live post-game show. I'll be back on it. Intern Joe held down the fort last weekend because with Colin Taylor now moving over to USC, working in their communications department, I had Colin Taylor duties last weekend in Columbia, Missouri. But I'll be back on the post-game show this weekend. Uh, again, mention the YouTube page. But if you're a podcast listener, maybe you're going to the game this weekend. And if you are, safe travels down to Texas. But you can listen to not just this show, but all the other Gamecock shows on podcast form as well. 
Gamecock Central Podcast Network is your place to catch that. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Have a happy Thursday. Be safe if you're going out. Be safe if you're going up to Charlotte. Listen to Dave Chappelle up there tonight with his comedy special. And enjoy the game this weekend as the Gamecocks look to get to 3-5, and five, trying to get back to their winning ways in, in this three-game losing streak. Be safe this weekend and have a great rest of your week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.